For those who are visiting with us, we're studying what the Bible teaches about temptation. And this is the third and the last of this series. We started back last June when we ended to go into our summer ministries. And for the last two Sundays, including this one, we have been looking at what it means to be tempted, to understand what happens when we yield. Please pray with me. And now, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable to you. Give us understanding to your truth, and may the truth be transforming in its application. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 15 of James chapter 1, according to the translation of the Bible you have, contains 18 or 19 words, according to the translations. 19 words in verse 15. And when we come to verse 15, we're looking at the way in which temptation works. James is going to do something very, very unique in teaching us about how temptation works. You remember last week we looked about how temptation comes. Temptation comes because we see something and it erupts something in our own hearts and we want it. As David with Bathsheba, as Samson with Delilah. And I, it must have shocked some of you last week, I'm almost sure, when I said that Satan is not responsible for every temptation we experience. That is a shocker. Because whenever we think of temptation, we usually think of Satan. But in the text, talking about temptation, we don't find Satan's name mentioned once. Not that he's not the source. And then we come to verse 15. And James decided to take something that is unique to human experience to show us how temptation works. That's what I want us to share this morning and see what the Bible is telling us. He talks about a sequence, a sequence, and he uses the idea of child's birth to show us what happens. And in the sequence of temptation, there are three steps that James gives to us, and we will see how that works even in our world today. First, there is the time factor. The time factor. Look, look, look with me at verse 15. Because I could tell it to you, but I want you to see it. If you have the King James translation, it says, when. When. The New American Standard says, then when. Then when. 
See, now verse 14 says that the, like the fish that is caught and enticed by the bait, the whole inner person is consumed by what has enticed them. And the person begins to mold the things over in his or her mind. He is not yet sinning. Because temptation is not a sin. If temptation were a sin, then Jesus would have been a sinner, and that would contradict the whole truth of Scripture. The enticement here for you and for me is that we are caught with a temptation to take to the end result that which has aroused that thing inside of me. I am sure that David, when he was up in his room, was not thinking of what he would like to do with Bathsheba. But once he got on that, that top of that house and saw Bathsheba, it aroused something in him, and all of a sudden he's enticed by it, and now he's holding on to that thing, and the time factor is that he's seeing, he's thinking, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to make it work? And the enticement is when we begin to look for ways to make a temptation a reality. Time is used to see how the thing can be accomplished. Do I want, do I, do, do, do I want the, 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 the ability to stop it or do I want to go through it? He's brooding over it as a hen over its, its, its eggs. A classic example of this is Joseph. In the birth of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And Joseph knew that he was not the one responsible for that. And I, I don't know, and I don't want to be facetious with this at all. This is sacred things here. What must have been in the mind of Joseph when Mary said, an angel came to me and told me that the Holy Spirit is going to impregnate you. I assume that Joseph didn't believe her. Because right afterwards he said, I'm going to divorce her. So Joseph is contemplating now how he's going to go through this process of separating himself from Mary. He didn't want to embarrass her, so he, he went to his room and he's spending time, time, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And fortunate for us, God intervened. But I want you to see that he was taking time to see how he was going to do it. And he had everything planned until God interrupted him. Before the act, the thought needs time if it's going to be accomplished. The plan of action. What am I going to do? When am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? The time factor. And my friends, it, it works differently with different people. I was thinking of, I heard of some lady in, uh, in 
I think it was in Eugene. She was, the, she was taking care of the finances for a union. And, and, and she decided to begin to pilfer that money. And, and you listen to the news and you will hear. She thought, I'm going to take some here. I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going uh, to bring it back. And, but before she could do all that, she was caught. <laughs> but the time factor. You see, the time was, this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure that nobody knows the time. I'm going to look to see what, what, what time people do this, what time the boss is there. On and on and on it goes. The time factor, it happens with every one of us when we are enticed. See, Joseph in the Old Testament was not enticed. He quit right away. But Samson was enticed. Samson decided to figure, how am I going to do this? And he went and he took the time to think it through. The time factor. That's the first sequence. Secondly, the temptation is fulfilled. Then, then the temptation, the desire has conceived, has conceived. This is a fulfillment, like human pregnancy. There, 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 there is this, this, this awareness that something has happened inside the body. Conception has taken place. It is no longer simply the desire. The desire now has actually captivated the desire has taken over. I am now a slave to my own desire, and my desire is out of control, and what I want to do is what I want to do. And, and oh, uh, friends, how, how often I've heard people talk about this, and I want to be very sensitive here. Because it doesn't have to be sexual sins. It, it doesn't have to be stealing. Lois and I were talking last night about this, and I try not to, to preach to her Saturday night so she doesn't have to listen to the message twice. But, but I was telling her where some of my struggles are. My struggles come at the place of envy. How, how, how come this church has that and we don't? How come their parking lot is full and Sunday mornings and ours isn't? And I want to know what they're doing to see if I can do the same thing. See, I want what they have. And, and, and I, can, I can be envious. And I said to Lois... So that sometimes when I see some of those pastors, I, want, I fight because I don't want to be nasty and ignore them because they have what I want. <laughs> My friends, none of us is beyond this. Desires are waken up when there are things before our eyes or our ears. Have you ever not heard people say this? I know I shouldn't say this, but. Run. Run. If they say I shouldn't say this, but run. <laughs> because they're going to violate their own conscience by inviting you to do the same with yours. So what, what I'm saying is that 
don't allow conception to take place when it comes to violating your conscience. Don't give vent to envy. The moment it will come, because it's in all of us. Matthew, uh, um, well, Matthew and uh, uh, Mark says it as well. In every human being, there's envy, there's jealousy, there's all kinds of things, six things that God hates. We all face them. And when we do not even know when they will come, they will come. And so here's, here's what happens. The word to conceive comes from a Greek word meaning to meet together. To meet together. And here then is the desire meeting the temptation and the temptation takes over. They meet together. And you can use your imagination for that. There's a wonderful passage in the seventh chapter of the book of Proverbs, 21 to 23, where the young man is walking along the street in a certain area and just listen to what happens when his temptation is met. With seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces his liver as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. See, the temptation is met with the desire. And every time the word temptation is used, it is the, the, the word to, to lure us to evil. Whatever it might be. You know, I talked about the seven respectable sins. And I named them for you a few weeks ago or last week, I don't remember. But my friends, we all face them. We all face them. Temptation, if, it was, if Christ was tempted from without as he was, you and I are tempted from within. From within. There was nothing in Jesus that made him desire evil, but there is in you and in me. And we see life in this world that's telling us that that's how it happens. After David found out, after David found out that Bathsheba was, was pregnant, what did he do? He, he, he lost his sense of moral responsibility and started to plan ways in which he is going to make sure that he doesn't get caught. You know, I was, I was reading this of David, and I thought, isn't that interesting? David is said to be a man after God's own heart, and I have never done what David did. Oh. So I should be a little bit better than David. <laughs> Until I realized, my friend, do you realize what David said when he confessed his sin in Psalm 51? David said, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. What about Bathsheba? David, if David had considered God first, he would not have violated Bathsheba's moral sand. That's the problem. 
So there you have stage, stage number two, conception. Stage number three, the tragic fatality. The temptation, the conception, and the birth. It brings forth death. What, what is meant by that? It's not physical death. How do I know it's not physical death? Well, physical death in a whole. But do you remember how many years Adam lived after he sinned? Adam lived for 930 years. So it wasn't physical death immediately. It was spiritual death. And this is what, when sin is conceived, what it does, it separates me from the life of God by which I was living. It breaks communion with God. It makes me indifferent to what God has to say because my conscience, read Psalm 32 and you will find it out. Sin here is a disposition. That's something that has taken over. I, I like illustrations, and Saul, Saul illustrates this. When he disobeyed God, when he was envious of David, when he allowed envy to captivate his soul, he fell so far from God that he was able to go to a witch to ask for instruction about God. That, that is what sin does. Sin puts us in a category, my friends, that is not from God. And I don't know how I can say that anymore. Because what it does, it tells us a lie. Here's how you can get away with it. Here's what you can say when. Here, here in, in fact, one of the best ways to do that these days is to just blame somebody else. You know, remember, what's his name, Flip Wilson? His line was, he made money doing this. The devil made me do it. That's not true. The devil is not mentioned here. What, what fright, I could tell you stories, my friends. Frightening things. one would almost be embarrassed to even say some of the things that can erupt in the human heart. Uh, I, 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 a man that helped me, I think it was um, J. Sidlow Baxter. You might not even know the name. Great man of God. He used to say, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest. You can't stop temptation. They will come. And that's why I had verse 12 with the text. Because verse 12 says that there is a way we overcome temptation. Trials and temptations. The, the, the same Greek word is used for both because trials can lead to temptation. That's what happened to, to, to Job's wife. The trial in Job's life led her to think things about God that were not true. Let's, let's look then at how we overcome this. Verse 12 of James 1. First of all, 
James shows us the remedy for overcoming temptation. By the way, he doesn't give us the, the remedy to escape it. He gives us the remedy to overcome it. Temptation of any kind can be overcome if we are willing to persevere with God's strength to face it. Listen to what he says. Blessed is the man who when under trial, the King James has the word I like, endures. The word there endures means to stay under, to be unmoved by it. To feel its pain and its fangs going into my, into, my, into my mind. But I do not allow them to stay there. I endure it. The temptation is strong. It is real. And as I thought of that, again, being very careful here. You know, you hear people coming out these days. Coming out, coming out, coming out. There's a man who influenced my life and has influenced others. He, he, he struggled all his life until he died with same-sex attraction. He struggled. His books can be found in my library. But this is what he said. And he's never given in, never given in. Under the temptation... He claims the power of God's grace. And there are times when that temptation becomes so strong that he would, he, he would remove himself and he would go and he would do business with God because he knew it was wrong. And he knew that he had come to see if he would yield to it. But he didn't have to yield because he was responding to the grace, not to the temptation. That's the beauty of this word blessed. Because this word blessed means someone who is fortunate. Someone who knows how to endure. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, I have had to endure in other things. In other things. Not, 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 not what he was struggling with. And every Christian will face that. And the reason we are able to overcome is because of that unbreakable relationship with Jesus Christ that we can say, like the psalmist, like the prophet, he slays me, yet will I trust him. Rabbi Zechariah says something in his book about pleasures. He says, there to true, true pleasures and false pleasures. In true pleasures, you pay the price of enduring against it so that you don't do it. That's True pleasures. True pleasures, you will, you will pay the price before. Like, like Proverbs 22 and 3. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, hides herself. The naive see it and pay the price for it. 
false pleasure, false pleasure, we pay the price afterwards. Afterwards. We, we have to deal with our guilt. And this, this, this man that I'm talking about, God preserved and gave him love, as we shall see in a few minutes. Love endures all things. He was able to actually endure, to persevere, to stay under, to allow God to refine his own character while he, his heart was breaking because he wanted to please God. And yet the reality of this temptation was there. He ended up working with boys outside Toronto where we used to live. But never, never succumbed to it. Never. He was able to endure. And there's a price to pay for endurance, friends. But there is a greater price to pay for not enduring. For not enduring. Secondly, there's a reward Blessed is the man who perseveres in temptation or over temptation or trials, whatever it might be. The same word. For when he is approved. Remember James chapter 1 verse 2. Let patience have her perfect work. You understand something about the trials and temptation of life. That they're not outside of God's awareness. And God is going to use them to provide you and me with character that we could never have apart from that. <laughs> Remember Fiddler in the Roof? He said, uh, you know, it's true that we're your friends, but, but do you have to be that tough with me because I'm your friend? Can't... Can, is, is there anything wrong with being rich and having what I want? Really? <laughs> That's what we think, you know? God, isn't there some way that you can, you can ease this pain? My friends, I suppose there are because he's God. But I remember a, a period that, that Lois and I went through. And, and God didn't change the situation to suit us to make it easy. He sustained in, in us for us to overcome it. Let me tell you what that word approved means. If you look in the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, when Jesus was tempted to turn stones to bread, to jump off the cliff, to worship Satan, only Luke tells us this, that after he had been tempted, the devil leave, leaveth, I was going to use the King James word, the devil leaveth him for a season. In other words, my friends, temptation is not tempted over, that's it. It will come again in some other way. Because Satan will never give up. If he cannot get you one way, he will try another way. And the devil left Christ for a season, so that there were other times when the devil tried to get at Jesus apart from these three times. For a season. And you overcome now. And each, each overcoming experience gets you prepared to overcome the next temptation. That's, that's the way life is. Not until we get to heaven will that change. 
and 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 what is the reward after he has been approved one victory leads to another victory leads to another victory until ultimately we're taken away from the presence of sin and temptation the bible says we're, we're saved in three levels when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ to forgive us for, for our sins, we are saved from the penalty of sin. As we grow in the Christian life, we are saved from the practice of sin. And then ultimately we're saved from the presence of sin. And that comes in glory, not here. As long as we are here, you know, sometimes I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down at my computer, and, and that makes it sound like I know what I'm doing, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm sitting down at my computer. If I didn't have my daughter close by and my neighbor close by, <laughs> oh, my word. And there are things pop on my screen, and I think, how in the world did that get there? And you go from one thing without, without certain things, and it leads you to something else. And I thought, oh, my word. And, and, and so one of the things that I practice now, <laughs> because I don't trust my own heart, my friends, is I want to be approved of God. So that when I get in front of that thing, I pray before I begin to turn it on. I ask God to keep me. Keep me, because I don't know what will come up, what will flash there. I want to be approved by God. I want my life to be consistent at home, here, wherever I might be, to be approved by God. He's the one who approves us in secret. Man might approve us in public, but God approves us in secret, in private. So what happens? He will receive the crown of life. That is something that is future. What is the crown of life? Oh, my word. I don't want to take you through that this morning. The commentaries, the, the ideas that are, and they're good. But let me tell you what I think the crown of life is. The crown of life is to live life to the fullest without the capacity and the ability for temptation to enter into it. The crown of life. That it is that life that belongs to God. It is to enter into a sphere where the former things are passed away. And God says, you have lived it on earth while you were there. Now you enter into it and you begin now to live life at its fullest, at its highest, at its most beautiful state. Because it is the crown of life. It is that which gives life all its meaning. The crown of life is the emblem of spiritual success given by the king of the universe to those who keep their faith in the midst of suffering and temptation. Life should be taken as identifying the reward. Crown of life will come when we reign with Christ at his return. Whatever it means, it means this, that there's a reward for enduring there's a reward for enduring. 
let me close with this. There is the remedy, which is endurance through communion. There is the reward that is promised for overcoming temptation. And then there's the resource. What's the resource? In verse 12, listen, listen, listen to verse 12 as it reads. Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres on the trials. For once he or she has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Who love him. It's interesting that in the Bible, every service of God, if it is to be meaningful, is preceded by love for God. We never do things to prove our love for God. We do things because we love God. Because we love Him. What does it mean to love Him? It means that what I am doing, I want His smile upon me. What I'm doing, I want to make sure that He is pleased with what I am doing. And then, what I'm doing is the enjoyment of his love in me given back to him. The resource for overcoming, friends, is to love God. Listen to what Paul said. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Peter is being reinstated. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Not feed my sheep to prove your love. This, this is most beautiful, beautiful thing that at the end, uh, I remember the first time I heard that there was a, uh, um, a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. For all my life as a child, I lived to get to the end of a rainbow. And then I got to the end of one and there was no pot of gold there. My friends, that's a myth. But I'm going to tell you, the crown that is promised for those who love God. Listen to what Paul said. I have finished the course. I have fought a good fight. There is laid up for me a crown which the Lord will give not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. Who love his appearing. Lastly, a reminder about temptation. Verse 16, don't be deceived. And I'll take this up again next week. Don't be deceived. This don't be deceived looks back to verses 12 to 15. What's, what's the, what is the deception there? To blame God for my temptation. To curse God in my trials. That's, that's the deception. And it's interesting to me that when God confronted Eve about what happened, you know what Eve said? The servant deceived me. I'll tell you why this is so important. Because wrong thoughts about God will lead to wrong conduct before God. Wrong thoughts about God will lead to wrong conduct before God. Don't be deceived. Sin can never offer you anything it promises because it doesn't have the power to do it. But God can, God can deliver on everything he has promised because he is not a liar. He can be trusted. Let's pray. Father, 
Oh, God, temptation is so real that sometimes we wish we could live without it. But that's for another world. But the, the principles of that world can be experienced now. Jesus endured under trials. Sometimes with tears. But he never yielded to it. And I don't know what temptation anyone might be facing here right now. But I pray that they will call upon you for the grace to endure. Not to be deceived. Not to allow the lie of Satan to lead them to sin against God. I pray that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and drive it home to our hearts that we might live for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.